Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be rounding up the latest transfer reports. Arsenal related, of course. We're going to be talking Kai Havertz, Romeo Lavia, Moussa Diaby, uh, Moises Caicedo, the Community Shield, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and more on this edition of the podcast. It's Friday afternoon. The sun is shining. I am absolutely melting. It is boiling hot in North London. And I made the silly mistake of not coming down to the man cave from which we record the podcast and opening some windows and sticking the fan on uh, before I came and sat in here to do this podcast because I opened the door and it just hit me. The heat from inside, uh, having had the sun shining on the glass all day, was just really, really, um, <laughs> really, really unbearable, to be honest. And I'm sitting here and you're probably going to see sweat dripping from my forehead and all sorts. So I make uh, uh, my apologies with regards to that uh, in advance. But look, we've got lots and lots to get into, as always. Now, I have to say, after doing two episodes yesterday, I woke up this morning hoping for a slightly quieter day on the transfer news front. But then I was reminded very quickly that it is transfer silly season and there are going to be stories coming out about our football club left, right and centre. So on today's agenda, as I say, we're talking Kai Havertz. Where are we at with that? Has that progressed? What is it looking like in terms of whether or not that transfer will go ahead? We're going to talk Romeo Lavia, who's been a name that's been banded about, but not one that we've heard too much about over the last couple of weeks. The obsession really and the main focus has been around Raicedo. We're going to talk Moussa Diaby who of course has been linked with Arsenal before and continues to be by a number of French outlets and of course we're going to discuss as I say the Community Shield and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Let's say a few hellos first of all to those of you joining us in the live chat. Big hello uh, to Junior Gunner, to Creambone, to Philly Guna. We've got Moss, we've got uh, Zebic, we have got uh, CHHS fans, we've got uh, Tom, we've got Kai Kai, we've got NSW who says smash the likes, guys. We've got one room minstrel Sean, uh, and the rest of the guys in the chat as well. Um, hope you're all good, hope you're all well. Look, let's start off by talking a little bit about that midfield situation. So, we know where we're at with Declan Rice first bid, which was rumoured to be around about £80 million in total with the add-ons included, knocked back by West Ham United the day before yesterday. And we are now waiting for Arsenal to go back in and make another offer. We are waiting for Arsenal to go back in 
with an increased offer that we hope will convince West Ham to shake hands, do a deal, and we can get this transfer wrapped up and move on to our next target. A lot of us went into the summer hoping that not only would we land Declan Rice, but that, we, but that we'd be able to land Moises Caicedo as well and we'd be able to complete that midfield overhaul, given that it looks like Granit Xhaka is on his way out of the football club. I have said repeatedly over the past few weeks that I do not believe Arsenal will be willing or able, but probably more to do with their willingness to do it, to bring in both of those players. And as we follow these stories, as we follow what's going on with Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo, it's looking increasingly likely that that is going to be the case. The Arsenal are going to have to pick one or the other. Looks as though they've picked Declan Rice. That's going to be the marquee, big money midfield sign-in. And they're going to have to look elsewhere for a second midfield option. And that feeds into what's being reported today uh, by Miguel Delaney of The Independent. So, what is he saying? Well, he says that Romeo Lavia of Southampton is right up at the top of the list now. The Arsenal are seeking to build a midfield around Declan Rice and Lavia. Let me bring Miguel Delaney's piece up and I'll explain to you exactly what was said before sharing my opinion on it. Uh, where is it? Hold on a second. Let's just find Miguel Delaney's page because you know what happens. You type in Miguel Delaney. It was his story and then a number of aggregators just pop up. Um, as they do on the, on the search. Uh, let me just share this screen uh, with you guys that are watching us so that you can understand uh, what it is exactly that I'm talking about here. So, uh, which one is it? Here we go. Declan Rice uh, leads Arsenal's double midfield transfer plan plus the latest on Kai Havertz. So this is what Miguel Delaney says. He says, Arsenal are seeking to make Declan Rice and Romeo Lavia their new midfield for next season with another bid to be put in for the West Ham United star and progress being made for the Southampton youngster. Interesting because I talked about Romeo Lavia a little while ago and I was asked on a number of shows to give my opinion on him and whether I thought he would be ready or a good alternative to somebody like Moises Caicedo or to Declan Rice in the event that we weren't able to get those players in. And one of the things I repeatedly said about Romeo Lavia, and my opinion hasn't changed just because we've been linked with him, is that he's someone with a lot of potential. He's someone who I think looks really calm and collected. I think he's someone that can cope with the physical side of the game, the physical side which is so, so important in the Premier League. He's got that experience under his belt of having played in the division as well, of course, uh, for a season, brought up at Manchester City. Um, and with Lavia, because Manchester City have this clause where they're able to buy him back, I think, after this upcoming season, if you want to get him, it feels like you got to do it now. Um, he's just 19 years old, uh, Belgian international, made his debut uh, just a little while ago on March 28th uh, for the Belgian national side. As I say, joined uh, Southampton from Manchester City back in July 2022 for around about £10 million. Um, and so, yeah, now, according to Transfer Market, he's worth about £22 million. Pounds. It, it, they quote the figure in euros, €25 million, euros, but I'm trying to sort of quickly convert that in my head. He made 29 appearances in the Premier League this season, 
for the Saints. Played 65% of their total minutes, which is understandable because he's very, very young and, and has a lot uh, still to learn. I would argue that he's more of a deep-lying midfield player than an eight. Declan Rice can probably tick two of those boxes, which is what makes him such an interesting proposition. Uh, but Lavia, for me, is very much the, the Thomas Partey. So is he the longer-term solution to Thomas Partey? Could we see Thomas Partey playing a slightly different role next season if he stays at the club? Could we see him be part of Romeo Lavia's development? Could they share the role between the two of them? Can Declan Rice tuck in alongside either one of them to make us that little bit more defensive when we need to be? I think both of them would give us options. My issue, though, when it comes to Romeo Lavia is that I do still think he's a little bit raw. And now I said this three or four weeks ago. So if I was to sit here now, just because his name's been associated with Arsenal and pretend that I think he's the finished article, that he's ready, that he's going to take this team to the next level, I'd be a hypocrite and I'd be a liar. I am not convinced of that at this moment in time when it comes to Lavia. What I am convinced of is that he's a really talented young man, that there is a lot of potential there and that he's somebody I'd be willing to take a bit of a punt on, a bit of a gamble on. Of course, when you're linked with Rice and Caicedo, if you end up with Rice and Lavia, which seems far more likely than Rice and Caicedo at this moment in time, there will be some out there, myself included, that will feel a little bit underwhelmed because we know that Caicedo is at a higher level at this moment in time. But Lavia has the potential to grow, has the potential de to develop. And if Thomas Partey is to stay at the club, he wouldn't be as heavily relied upon and he'd almost get the time and the opportunity to kind of find his feet, grow into the side and, and allow that natural kind of uh, switching between him and Thomas Partey to take place as and when it's right for that to take place. So, yeah, um, I really like the player, but nobody else outside of Miguel Delaney has reported that this is something that is moving, that this is something with legs. David Ornstein hasn't come out with it. Um, neither of any of the other usual suspects when it comes to Arsenal reporting. So I'm going to hold fire in terms of uh, jumping um, on the bandwagon with this one and sort of making a big song and dance about it as, as if to say it's definitely happening. But I think this is a much more realistic way to go about revamping our midfield than expecting Arsenal to go and spend 100 whatever million on Declan Rice followed by 100 odd million on Moises Caicedo as well. Now, I keep saying this. Not because I want to say I told you so. Not because I want to say I was right, you was wrong. But I thought that Rice and Caicedo would cost between them around about £160 million. £165, maybe £170 at a push. That was what I kind of had in my head going into this summer. Maybe if you hold on and you allow this to drag out throughout the duration of the summer, you'll get into a position where those clubs go, yeah, you know what, we kind of got to cash in now, so we'll accept that little bit less because nobody's budging. This isn't really happening. The players are pushing it from their side. But the issue here is that there are other clubs interested in both of these players, in both Rice and both Caicedo. So the problem you have is that 
if you don't act quickly, is having to pay over the top to just put an end to the negotiations and get things moving, then you could lose out altogether. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that we'd be able to do those two deals for less. And even then, I thought it was unlikely. But now I'm hearing the prices that are being quoted over the last few days. And, and with every passing minute, the less likely it feels to me that we'll end up with both of them. So what's an alternative? We're getting in Romeo Lavia from Southampton, who are, of course, relegated. Feels like a much cheaper option than Moises Caicedo and feels like a good option based on how highly he is rated. But my concern, and I'm not going to shy away from this, is that can he come in and impact the team straight away? I've got doubts about that because I still think that he's a little bit raw. I still think that he's got a long way to come in terms of his development. Maybe that development speeds up at Arsenal where he's surrounded by much better players, um, a, a great coach, uh, and in a really strong, stable environment. But, yeah, um, you know, it just, to me, it is a little bit underwhelming. I'm not going to lie. Um, it is a little bit underwhelming. As I say, if I said that, you know, yes, Lavi is the one, go for him over Caicedo. That's not what I thought two, three weeks ago. So I'd be a hypocrite if I now tried to convince you guys that that was the better option. It is an alternative option, a much cheaper option. And I think it's the more likely option that Arsenal choose because I think even they will be surprised by the prices being quoted, not just for Declan Rice, but for Moises Caicedo too, who, according to reports today, by the way, has chosen Chelsea. Now, we heard yesterday that Arsenal had pulled out of the race, that Arsenal's interest had, and I quote, called on the player, and that, you know, the, um, you know, that the, the Gunners were focusing on Declan Rice at this moment in time. Some said, no, that's not the truth. It's just that Arsenal are focusing on Rice first and foremost. They want to get that done. Then they'll turn their attention to Caicedo. They'll keep informed of the situation regarding the Ecuadorian and Chelsea until it gets to the point where they really do need to move and do need to act. The more I'm reading and the more I hear, the more I think that Arsenal were well aware that they were going to have to choose one or the other or that the likelihood was that they were going to have to choose one or the other. But I do believe that at least internally, they've probably been taken aback a little bit by the prices being quoted by these two clubs for these, of course, two Players, so Romeo Lavia instead of Moises Caicedo, along with Declan Rice, if indeed we can get that deal done, uh, would you take him? Let me know. Uh, let's have a look at what you guys are saying in the comments. Uh, we'll take uh, a good few of them uh, right now. Um, Alistair says, Lavia, I really like this guy when he played against us. I think it makes more sense than buying two £100 million players for the same position. Uh, Moss says, Lavia seems a lot like the Caicedo type and younger, so could make uh, strides still. Uh, Junior Gunner says, I think Lavia is more of a deep-lying midfielder, dictates from deep and is a little bit more elegant on the ball compared to Caicedo, who's a hard-working ball winner. Uh, MM says, uh, funny how we have a midfield issue and our first signing is Havertz. Nothing's done with Kai Havertz yet. We'll talk about Kai Havertz in just a few minutes' time. Um, there are a few Havertz-related uh, comments, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, Creambone says, Caicedo at 100 million is ridiculous. So not crying over that deal. It shows that we're not going to get our pants pulled down. And, and that's a big part of it as well, isn't it? Like, you know, it's great that, you know, we're willing to go that extra mile and spend bigger money than we've been willing to spend in recent seasons. 
But there is a, a part of Arsenal that need to protect themselves as well. There is a need to not have your pants pulled down, as you put it, in negotiations, because that sets a precedent moving forward and can cause you problems in future negotiations. And, you know, I think Manchester United and Chelsea, for example, have this issue whereby they've shown themselves to be too trigger happy at times to succumb to the demands of clubs that they're trying to buy from. And now everyone that they're linked with seems to have an extra 10, 20 million pounds slapped on the top of their price tag. So I agree with you, mate. Like, you know, and, and, and I thought Tom put this really well when we spoke on yesterday's podcast on the second episode that we did, when he said, look, I want those players, obviously, but if somebody else signs them for a ridiculous amount of money, how can I be angry at my club for not basically having their pants pulled down? Now, he didn't put it in those words, but that's basically the premise of what he was saying. And I agree with that. You know, the Declan Rice thing, it feels like we're not a million miles away from matching what West Ham are looking for. And so if we don't do that, then, you know, yeah, I think you can look at the club and say, look, you should have gone that extra mile. When it comes to Moises Caicedo, though, I have to say going into the summer, I thought 70 million would do it. I thought you might be looking at 80, 85 in the event that a bidding war begins. And obviously Chelsea are a big problem for us in this. But then to read yesterday that Tony Bloom of Brighton is going around telling everybody that he's worth 120 million, I think is is just mental. And all of a sudden that transfer becomes one that is unattainable and becomes one that's far, far less attractive. Moises Caicedo is a superb player for 70 million pounds, for 80 million pounds even. And even that is not disrespectful. That is around about what you'd say he would command in today's market. And me being maybe a little bit older than some think even that is ridiculous and it's generous. It's not disrespectful to think about paying 70 plus million pounds for someone who, you know, how long has Caicedo been in the Premier League? What's it been? A couple of seasons? You know, he's 21 years old. Let's have a let's have a quick look now. Stats by competition. Let's break this down uh, for the moment. So you're talking about someone who in the Premier League has only made 45 appearances. He's got two goals, two assists. Nothing massively to, to write home about. I know that that's not his position to go score goals or, or create things. But the point I'm trying to make is that he's played 45 times in the Premier League. That's a season and six games, a season and seven games. It's not a lot. So, yeah, big prospect, really exciting talent at 70 million pounds. I can I can do it. I can deal with it. I can live with it. 80 probably as well. But once you start getting into the hundreds, I think it's, it's gone nuts. And I think at some point as a football club, you do have to have the, the sort of the acumen, I guess, the business acumen to say, right, this is no longer worth it. And we're now in a territory where this deal is no longer anywhere near as attractive as it might have been once upon a time. So, um, yeah. Okay, let's um, see where we're going. Jonathan says they should wrap up the Rice deal first before talking about other deals. Look, obviously, I think Arsenal behind the scenes are trying to do that. Um, and, you know, Arsenal, again, as I keep saying, could well at the time of recording be further along in that negotiation than we know because we don't always get the information straight away. Um John Rene kind of agrees with me. If Caicedo was around 65 to 75 million, then maybe. But Tony Bloom feeling like a king right now. It's looking bad. And there's only two clubs in the Premier League that would go that batshit crazy on a player that probably isn't worth that money. And they are Chelsea 
and Manchester United, and they've been doing it for years and years and years. The scariest thing about this craze in the market right now and, and the scariest thing about the climate that we find ourselves in when it comes to transfers is that we spend so much time talking about Manchester City and sports washing and all the rest of it. They're not even the ones that have caused this. Yeah, they signed Jack Grealish for £100 million, fine. But Erling Haaland wasn't a crazy amount of money. Neither was pretty much anybody else in that group. And the point I'm trying to make here is that, yeah, we can talk about them all the time and, you know, how they've impacted the Premier League and, and changed the face of it, et cetera, et cetera. But Man United are just as bad. What's going to happen if they become state-owned, as is being uh, reported uh, by some Manchester United uh, journalists over the last sort of 24, 48 hours. Chelsea too. You know, Chelsea are equally as culpable. And so if they want to continue doing their thing and overpaying for people, then yeah, of course it's annoying because they're players that we want, but we have to know our limits and we have to understand that our football club does have limits. And therefore to throw our toys out of the pram because we refuse to have our pants pulled down is weird to me. Yeah, we want the player. We like the player. But at that price, it's nowhere near as attractive a proposition. And I think people uh, need to remember that. I really, really do. Um, okay, right. Let's uh, take it on then. So we've talked Lavia. According to Miguel Delaney, he is on Arsenal's radar. And he's someone that Arsenal would like to bring in this summer uh, alongside Declan Rice to kind of revamp that midfield. I do think, though, it's really important we keep hold of Thomas Partey. I really do. I know that's been a debate over the past few weeks. What do we do with him? If Granite Xhaka's going, which it looks like he is, then you need to keep Thomas Partey because we can't afford to destroy that midfield and rebuild it. You know, we can just about cope with Xhaka's departure and a couple of players coming in, but we're losing experience. We're losing know-how. We're losing a leader. And if we lost Thomas Partey as well and replaced him with a couple of much younger players and just thought that they were going to be able to plug in and do the job to a higher standard. I think that would be a little bit naive of us. So I want to keep Thomas Partey, by the way, before people start asking me uh, about that question. Uh, Tezzy May says, uh, Harry needs some mods. Why put up with the trolls? You know what? You're not wrong. Um, you're not wrong at all. Uh, I need to appoint some. Can I make you one? Hold on. Tezzy May. Um, where is it? Add as moderator. Uh let me make you a, a moderator. There you go. If you want to be, if you don't, just ignore it. Um, but yeah, feel free. I, I'll make a Moss one as well because I can see Moss's uh, name popping up on the screen. Where's Creambone as well? Uh, one of our longtime listeners. Uh, hold on. Uh, Jimmy wants to be a mod as well. If you want to be a mod, just tell me and I'll make you one. It will be obviously names that I recognize and... Uh, I know a great. So, yeah, not a problem. Um, anyway, let, let's uh, let's continue uh, through the chat. So uh, we've discussed the Lavia thing. He's on the radar. Apparently, we've talked the latest on Caicedo, who apparently has chosen Chelsea, according to some reports. Chelsea fans seem to be jumping up and down about this. I don't know uh, that that's um, that that's done or, or, or anything to that effect. But um, it just feels like we've been priced out of that. And I think that Arsenal are going to focus on other priorities. We're going to circle back to Kai Havertz just quickly, because obviously this is one that really, really has divided opinion over the past few days. Kai Havertz, is he the man for Arsenal? Uh, would he be a good fit? 
I've been saying for a little while that he would be. And I said it even before the link came out into the public domain, not because I knew anything about it, because I genuinely do think that. Not going to change my opinion, but I do recognize and acknowledge that there is an element of risk to signing somebody like Kai Havertz because of the fact that however you want to dress it up, he hasn't performed at Chelsea. He hasn't um, lived up to the price tag and he hasn't lived up to the reputation that he arrived on these shores with. So, yeah, you know, there is an element of risk to it. Yes, but I think if Arsenal can do this at a reasonable price, I think there's a good chance that it does work out and there's a good chance in 12 months' time we're sitting here thinking, oh my God, I can't believe people doubted him. Let's go over to Fabrizio Romano's Twitter account where he shared an update on this situation earlier on today. Uh, he said yesterday that Kai Havertz has given the green light to Arsenal contract bid after positive indications. He said there'd be no problem with the personal terms. He said Arsenal and Chelsea are in contact. No chance that the Gunners will pay 75 million, as was being reported earlier in the week, but Chelsea will be flexible. He also said that Bayern were keeping informed of the situation, but remain quiet, and that Real Madrid were 100% out of the race. Now, he's followed that up today, around about a couple of hours ago at the time of recording with this. He says, official bid to follow for Kai Havertz, as personal terms won't be an issue. The player has given the green light to Arsenal yesterday. Chelsea's asking price has always been £75 million, but they will be flexible on that. Sources confirm the talks are on. So I think this is one that is opportunistic. I think this is one that might not necessarily have been at the top of the shopping list going into the summer, but one that circumstances have brought to Mikel Arteta's attention and one that he feels, given Chelsea's financial predicament, the fact that they need to move players on for FFP between now and the end of the window, is a situation he can take advantage of. I look at some of the stuff that's been going around today. There was a report earlier on where David Ornstein, in a column, I think, just sort of in passing, mentioned that Arsenal had initially targeted Mount. They wanted an attack-minded player. And that once they realised that his heart was set on a move to Manchester United or that that was his preference, what they did was pivot towards Kai Havertz, having recognised and having understood his uh, situation. Now, you can read this in one of two ways. So Mason Mount, attack-minded midfield player, but can also drop that little bit deeper, put the work in, put the shift in and do the other side of the game. I do not for a second believe that Kai Havertz is of the same or a similar profile to Mason Mount. I don't want Kai Havertz in my midfield. I'm sorry, I don't. I want Kai Havertz in my forward line. I maintain that I think he's best in a central position, but I also think that there will be a part of Mikel Arteta's pitch, which includes the fact that he may be required from time to time to maybe cover on the right and maybe cover on the left. Now, I don't think he's as effective in those positions, but he does give you another option in that forward line because he's played those roles before. And in bringing in Kai Havertz, you might feel that you can back up a couple of positions as opposed to buying one player who only covers one role. And again, we go back to the point I keep making to you guys what feels like every day right now. Flexibility, versatility. These are two of the things that Mikel Arteta is desperate to add further to his group, to his squad. So, 
Kai Havertz could cover Gabriel Jesus as the centre forward. They could rotate it between them with Champions League, Premier League, etc., etc. But also, you know, there's a there's a chance that if Bukayo Saka, for example, needed a breather, that Kai Havertz could play from the right, or that Gabriel Jesus could go and play from the right, and Kai Havertz could play through the middle in that instance as well. So it's a different option. It's an alternative, and. Although I don't think he'd be coming in to primarily cover us on the wings or or in the wide positions, he gives us that option. And I think Mikel Arteta will make it very clear to him that you need to be versatile to be a part of this front line and and you need to be able to to adapt, um, which I think is obviously key and, and something that I think Kai Havertz has shown in the past that he can do in the right environment, under the right circumstances. So according to this, that the bid is coming. How much will that bid be? I don't know. Um, I've read somewhere that the total of the first bid that is being prepared, not sure of the exact structure of it, is going to be around about £55 million in terms of total value. How true that is, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But like, there is a part of me that goes, yeah, this is a big risk, man. And, you know, although I think in terms of, looking at his individual attributes and and ticking off the boxes. I think he ticks a lot of them. I do recognise that it is a gamble because of how his form at Chelsea has been for the most part of his career in West London. But at the same time, there's this part of me that goes, I'm all in on this manager and I'm all in on this team and I'm all in on this philosophy and the style and the togetherness and the unity that we've created. And what, what good am I doing as a supporter if I sit here and say, we should be dead against this. If he comes in and performs, we're all going to be made to look very, very stupid. And Mikel Arteta has done that to a lot of us already uh, over over the course of the last couple of years. How many people were up in arms about Ramsdale? I didn't think he was good enough. And I thought it was stupid to go and spend that sort of money on a goalkeeper when we had a goalkeeper that, in my opinion, was as good. But I was proven wrong. I was proven wrong. You know, Ben White really liked the player. Did I think he was worth 50 million when we signed him? Absolutely not. Do I think he's worth 50 million now? Absolutely, yes. So the majority of the big money business that Arsenal have done over the last couple of seasons has been successful. So there is a part of me that feels like I just need to kind of, I can have my opinion. We can all have our opinions. My opinion is a positive one on Kai Havertz, but I'd be lying if I said I was 100% sure. I'm more like 80% sure, 20% unsure but there's an element of it and there's a part of me that goes just trust in the boss let him get on with it and let's see how this ends up um but yeah Fabrizio Romano says the bid is to follow it's coming and others are reporting that it's around about 55 million pounds worth in total not sure what the structure looks like exactly um, but yeah, is that too much for Kai Havertz? What would be your cutoff point? Because I know there's a lot of people out there just gauging by the chat that think actually if the price is right, this is a worthwhile deal. But once you start crossing the line, a bit like the Moises Caicedo thing, then it becomes stupid, not as worthwhile and a, a big gamble and maybe an unnecessary one as well. But anyway, let me know your thoughts on Kai Havertz and what your cutoff price would be for him in the live chat. I'm going to take a very, very, very brief pause. Uh, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk Moussa Diaby, the Community Shield, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and spend some time taking your questions from the live chat box. Don't forget to leave a like on the video, by the way, guys. Only 81 likes on the board, which is completely disproportionate to the number of people that are watching this at the moment. So pull your fingers out, 
hit the like button. It really, really does help. Obviously, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. When we started this stream, I think we were 20 odd away from hitting the 27,000 mark on the YouTube channel. That doesn't even include all the wonderful people that listen to us on audio as well. Uh, so please do get involved, guys. Um, get in the chat, leave us a review, subscribe, like, all the rest of it. It really, really does help. Be back in a moment. Okay, let's have a look uh, at what some of you guys are saying in the live chat. Rydog says, the same whiners that hated Ramsdale and cried about Odegaard, Havertz will be an excellent addition. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Jean-René is 70% confident that Kai Havertz would be a good acquisition, uh, with uh, 30% of him still being unsure. Uh, Foluso says, I trust Arteta is a good man manager. Sometimes he misses, but you can't get it right all the time. There is not a manager in world football that gets it right every single time. Pep Guardiola, revered as the best manager in the world, does not get it right every time. There are a number of Manchester City players that have come in over the years that have been not good enough, that he's moved on from really, really quickly. You have to have that ruthlessness, though, don't you, to, um, to recognise that a decision you made wasn't necessarily the right one. I think that's a big part of management as well, to be able to know or look at something and go, yeah, you know what? I got that wrong, but I'm going to learn from it. I think is just as admirable as any other quality that a manager could possess. Uh, what else have we got? Um, uh, Ezechi says 50 million cap for Kai. Damien Kelly says 50 million uh, for Havertz. Clive Palmer says, uh, I just clicked like. Clive, thank you so much, mate. Uh, great to see you in the live chat. Would love to get you on sometime when you're free. Um, I'll drop you a message. Thank you uh, so much for being here. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, one of the podcasting goats. So great to see you here. And um, and hopefully you're enjoying the show, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Mohammed says, uh, Havertz is not worth the money and not a priority. Lots of you talking about Ivan Tony at the moment. I think What's happened with Ivan Tony has significantly damaged his chances of getting the kind of move that he might have been in line for this summer. I like him. I think he's a good player. I think he brings a lot to Brentford. I think, obviously, his goal return speaks for itself. But I think outside of that, he's a really important player to them. I covered Brentford, I think, four or five times this season in the flesh uh, down at the GTEC uh, Community Stadium for BBC Radio London. And he always looks the bollocks when he plays, basically, for wanting of a better term. But Obviously, the situation around him is a, is a tricky one at the moment. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, this is a really, really good point as well uh, from Zebik, who says, why can't people just appreciate that Edu or, or what Edu and his staff have done in the last couple of months? Saka, Gabriel, Martinelli, Saliba's contracts all done. We're just going to break our transfer record, judge them at the end. Listen, people always say, and, and I feel like I sort of start getting on my soapbox and, and preaching this message every time we go into a transfer window. And people always say, look, let's wait till the end of the window and see where we are. Actually, can you even judge a window at the end of a window? You probably can't. You can't really judge a window until sometimes 6, 12, 18 months down the line when you have time to see how it impacted on your team, whether it was good or bad. That's what you need to do. That's that's when you really judge a window. For example, the window we had last summer, at the time it felt like a good window. And 
the confirmation that it was a good window actually came towards the end of the season when you could see that we were still in the title race going into the final stretch. That showed that we'd pushed on and that showed that the business we'd, we'd done had a significant positive impact on the team. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Um, Abdi says, uh, I like Havertz. If Arteta wants him, I'm fine. Arteta has earned our trust. He has a plan for him 100%. Uh, Simi Superstar says, uh, my Chelsea family is upset because they think he is the business. I've spoken to a few Chelsea fans as well over the past couple of days, actually, who have said to me, look, I mean, I don't rate Kai Havertz because they don't want to admit that they rate him because he could be Arsenal bound. But then they go, but I wouldn't sell him to you guys. Well, why not? If you think he's rubbish and he's not going to improve our team, why wouldn't you sell him to us and get the money in that your club needs to keep the sort of financial fair play officers, whatever you want to call them, away from the door? I don't know. doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, um, right. So let's talk quickly, uh, Musa Diaby, before we uh, wrap up the show with some Q&A. Uh, until the end, we're going to briefly touch on a couple of other bits and pieces as well. But Moussa Diaby, who's been linked with the Arsenal before, uh, obviously winger, plays his football currently in Germany uh, with Bayer Leverkusen, heavily linked with Newcastle as well, uh, not just this summer, but in January as well, because obviously they've got a bit of money to burn, haven't they? But nine goals, nine assists, which is 18 direct goal contributions in 33 Bundesliga appearances uh, for Leverkusen, uh, has a contract that runs until June 2025. Currently, according to Transfermarkt, he's valued at around about 50 million euros. And this one kind of came out of nowhere for me this morning because L'Equipe had just suddenly put out this piece saying that Arsenal were leading the race or that Arsenal have stolen a march on Newcastle or were in a better position. I think the term that some of the aggregators were using was Arsenal are in pole position to sign Moussa Diaby. Look, for me, if you get Kai Havertz or you're serious about Kai Havertz and you've tied down Reese Nelson to a new contract, the likelihood of signing Diaby for big money feels basically non-existent to me. I don't think this has got legs. RMC Sport, another French outlet, said that we made a concrete offer for the player at the end of the summer window back in 2022. Again, how true that is, I'm not sure. I really like Diaby and I think he is someone that would undoubtedly add quality to the side. But given the moves that Arsenal have made, i.e. Reese Nelson, and what they look like they're going to be doing with regards to Kai Havertz, I just can't see this happening. I just can't see it happening. What could have happened or, or, or what could be the case is that Arsenal fans went into this summer thinking we're going to spend big, crazy amounts of money to take us up to that next level identified Rice and Caicedo or Riceado, as people call them, as the, the ones that were going to take us up to that next level. And actually, although that's not a bad idea, we were wrong in terms of what Arsenal were prioritising. And maybe they are prioritising a winger, a forward like Kai Havertz, a centre-back, for example. We, we don't always know what Arsenal's priorities are. I always say this. We only get served up a fraction of the information. And so... I'm not going to be surprised by anything pretty much uh, because sometimes and, and more often than not, Arsenal at least prefer to work in the shadows. And and sometimes the information we get is great and it's accurate. And eventually, you know, those deals come to fruition. 
Sometimes, though, there'll be things ongoing in the background that we just have no idea about. The RB is a name that's been linked. It's an easy link to make because of that. Um, it's certainly going to drive a lot of clicks. Anything Arsenal related tends to do that. And a lot of the foreign outlets know that. And hence the fact that, uh, and hence why I beg your pardon, they push some of those stories. But yeah, I don't think that we're going to end up with uh, with Moussa Diaby, despite uh, Le Keep's, uh piece earlier on today. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, we're going to talk Community Shield. Let me just bring up the Arsenal website so I can confirm with you guys the details of that. Of course, Arsenal involved because Manchester City won the double. And so as is tradition, when the uh, FA Cup winners and Premier League winners are the same. The runner-up in the Premier League gets thrust into the spotlight at Wembley to take on the league winner. So the Football Association have confirmed that we'll face Manchester City in the FA Community Shield on Sunday, August the 6th. The game will take place at its traditional home of Wembley Stadium with a kickoff time of 5.30pm and will be broadcast live in the UK on ITV. Uh, no ticket information on that just yet. If you want to attend, uh, keep your eyes peeled uh, with regards to that on the Arsenal website, etc. Um, look, the Community Shield is a, is a glorified friendly. OK, it is. You know, Jose Mourinho once tried to pass it off of, as a major runner. It's not quite like the Super Cups that you have in other countries where it does kind of fall into that bracket. Um, but yeah, I mean, although... I'm not going to lose my shit if we don't win it. And although I recognise we're up against a very strong and, and good opponent, I do feel like this presents an opportunity for Arsenal to kind of lay down a marker going into the season. Now, I know the team that wins the Community Shield doesn't always necessarily go on and catch fire in the season and push on to a, a whole new level or anything like that. But, you know, we didn't take a single point off of Manchester City last season. We were battered at the Etihad. We were beaten quite well, at least in the second half, I thought, in the Emirates Stadium game. We lost there in the FA Cup, although we actually played quite well that night with a, a whole load of changes. But we kind of have to, at some point, if we want to challenge Man City, get over this block when we face them. We do have to take points off them. We'll have the ability to take points off them. And you never feel convinced that we can do that when we go up against them. So although this is a friendly, it's another opportunity to have a swing at Manchester City and if you can beat them, maybe that makes something in your head click and, and maybe that gets you over a hurdle mentally that puts you in a better position when you do come up against them later on in the season in a competitive fixture. So, um, yeah, I do think this game has a bit more importance maybe uh, than, than people uh, want to admit or, or care to admit because obviously it is regarded, widely speaking, as a friendly um, I do think it, as as Ross says, you know, it is a mental block against Manchester City. And so beating them, whatever the circumstance, I think could go a long way in helping us uh, to get past that and, and to hopefully be on a much stronger platform from which to challenge them moving forwards. OK, we're coming towards the end of the show. So we're going to do around about 10, 12, maybe 15, depending on how good the questions are, minutes. Uh, before I uh, disappear out into my garden, pour myself a nice cold drink and take in the final hours of sunshine uh, for the day. So start getting them in the chat box, pop in as many questions as you can. 
um, put a queue at the beginning of them. It just makes it easier for me to be able to pick them out uh, from the crowd of comments. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video again. The number of likes on the board completely disproportionate to the number of you watching this show right now. Uh, so please uh, do hit the like button, subscribe. As I say, we want to get to 27K, not a million miles off. I think we were about 20 off when we started the show. Uh, hopefully by tomorrow when I wake up, maybe, uh, maybe we'd have got there. But look, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. You know the drill uh, by now. Going to take your questions in just a sec, but just a quick word on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I, I nearly forgot to do this, but Ainsley Maitland-Niles has officially left the club. His contract with Arsenal uh, ends on June the 30th, I believe. So the departure is not uh, quite just yet officially, although uh, his contract will not be renewed. And it's it's a real story of regret with Ainsley Maitland-Niles because I remember at one point thinking, wow, this young lad has come in. He looks really calm, really composed, mature beyond his years, was playing out of position as well. And I thought, wow, this was the makings of a, a really good squad player. I think the problem we had with Maitland-Niles was that he didn't want to be a fullback I thought fullback was probably his best position. He wanted to play in midfield and he just didn't seem to be up to that level in midfield. Not for me anyway, personally. And when he got opportunities to play in there, I never felt any chance that he grabbed those opportunities with both hands. Now, I recognise some of those chances came in games where we played weakened sides and obviously that has an impact. But I just never saw enough from him as a midfielder to suggest that we could seriously rely on him in that position. Is his attitude an issue? I mean, he comes across as really laid back. Maybe that's just him. Maybe that's just his style. I saw a compilation earlier that Arsenal put out of some penalty kicks that he took in which that kind of laid back attitude actually helps him to keep calm, composed. But yeah, I, I think Maitland-Niles, to, ha to have had a career at Arsenal and to have continued being a big, important part of the squad, I guess, needed to just accept that he was a bit of a utility man. He had that versatility that not everybody in the squad at that time had, and that stood him out from the crowd. But the minute you tried to put him into a... I don't think he was able to stand out enough. Um, we had an opportunity to sell him, didn't we, to Wolverhampton Wanderers. In hindsight, we probably should have taken that opportunity, but it's easy to say that with hindsight. So I'm not going to be hammering the club uh, on that basis. But yeah, you know what I mean. Um I just, yeah, it's, it's a shame because I don't know where Ainsley Maitland-Niles goes from here. And a, a player that showed so much promise in his early years, I think has seen his star really fall and his stock really fall. And yeah, I, I don't know where he ends up now. I wish him all the best. I really, really do. Um, but I do think had things played out slightly differently um, at Arsenal, you know, with regards to Maitland-Niles, we might not have seen his stock fall in the way it has, and, and we might have seen him actually continue to be an important part of at least the squad. Okay, let's take some questions from the live chat. Clive says, how comfortable are Arsenal fans with rotation? Are you ready to see your favourites rest on occasion? I'm absolutely fine with, with seeing people rested as long as I'm comfortable and confident in the players that we're rotating them for and with. For example, if we do land Kai Havertz, who I think has a lot of similar qualities to Gabriel Jesus in the way that he links up play, in the way that maybe he's not this out-and-out -out crazy goal scorer, but does bring you something else to the team, drops into different areas, etc. For example, if you were to rest Jesus to play Havertz, I'd be okay with that. If you were to uh, you know, let's say we got Diaby. If you were to take out Saka on occasion and put Diaby in, I'm okay with that. If you take 
Martinelli out and you put someone like an informed Reese Nelson in from time to time, I don't have a major issue with that. But the, the problem has been that we haven't necessarily had the squad, I don't think, to be able to rotate without impacting the overall quality of the side. And, and I think that that has been something that's caused Mikel Arteta to be wary of rotation. And even when rotation was probably the right thing to do, he was reluctant to do it because of that reason. And I think in the end, that maybe played a part in our downfall a little bit. Now, again, I'm not pointing fingers at people, but just kind of trying to look at look back at what happened with a sort of calmer head and a clearer mind now that we're in the summer. You know, I think there were players in hindsight that probably could have done with a bit of a breather in order to be able to get themselves out of the spotlight for a bit, come back in fresh and and maybe we wouldn't have seen so many individual errors and issues towards the back end of the campaign. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, my answer to that is I'm, I'm fine to see people rotated and rested as long as I have a degree of comfort in those that will be coming in. And I can't say I've had that in a lot of positions over the past 12 to 18 months. Mohammed says, do you prefer Moussa Diaby signing ahead of Kai Havertz? Uh, me personally, no. Um, I rate Kai Havertz, as I keep saying. I know not everybody does. I suspect that the majority will say they prefer the signing of Diaby, but I just know a lot more about Kai Havertz. And, and that makes me feel more comfortable in what we'd be getting. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Havertz is a far better player or anything like that. And I'm open to this debate and discussion. But just for me personally, knowing what I'm going to get from Kai Havertz makes me feel comfortable. Um, Diaby when I've sort of watched him on a number of occasions, has been a little bit hot and cold. At times, he's looked really good and lively and uh, and effective. And at times, he, he hasn't, you know. So, um, yeah, going to be interesting to see where he ends up and, and, and how he fares. Dave Atkinson says, Harry, do you think all the Prem clubs should get together and refuse to buy Chelsea's players? Because that could destroy them. Well, we know, because we had Daniel Charles from Football London on the other day, Chelsea fan, Chelsea writer, that Chelsea really do need to move people on between now and the end of the month, actually, in order for those sale revenues to be included in the results that they currently need to fix, basically, uh, to avoid them having any issues. In a dream world, yeah, that would be nice. That would be good. But Premier League clubs, unfortunately, don't think like that. You know, they think about themselves. And if they see an opportunity to take a player that they believe can help them achieve their goals and objectives, then they're going to do that and they're going to instead try and make Chelsea's situation work to their own individual advantage. A bit like what we're trying to do, it seems, with Kai Havertz. Um, but I, I just think there's a wider conversation to be had about clubs like Chelsea. Um, and, and for me, I know this sounds really old-fashioned, I would love for there to be a salary cap. I would love for there to be a restriction on how much you can spend I would love all of that stuff to come in because then I think you'd see the best coaches doing the best jobs. I think the playing field would be, you know, a far more interesting one. I know that you want the best players in the league and with the best players comes the biggest demand and with the biggest demand comes the bigger TV deals and all of that stuff. And it's a domino effect. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see something where we do... Um, where we do see uh, that playing field just look a little bit more level and, and where coaching and, and development and tactics have a bigger impact. Obviously, they have a huge impact anyway, but have a bigger impact than 
transfer business necessarily, which feels like it's kind of taken over. Uh, right, let's take a, a, a few more. Um, uh, Efosa says, why do you think Arsenal are showing no interest in Victor Osimen, knowing fully well they have Balogun as a possible chip for negotiations? Now, you guys will know that I'm massively across Italian football. I absolutely love it. And I follow the clubs really, really closely. And, and I'm always kind of on top of what's going on uh, in the Serie A. What I know is that Aurelio De Laurentiis is not an easy man to negotiate with. I know that Napoli are doing everything within their power to keep hold of Victor Osimhen for at least one more season. And if they were to accept that it was time for him to depart, I also know that they demand north of €100 million Euros for him. A centre-forward for me is something we could do with. And it's a position in which if Kai Havertz comes in, he'd be strengthening us in. But I think you can make an extra addition, maybe an addition that wasn't necessarily part of the plan if it's costing you 40, 50 million pounds. And then you're also trying to justify that by saying, yeah, but, you know, Kai Havertz can play a bit deeper and he can play right and he can play left. What Arsenal, I don't think, can do is justify spending north of 100 million pounds on a centre-forward just the centre-forward, because that's what Victor Osimhen is, um, and, and overlook some of the other issues that they have or, or fail to address some of those issues. I think that will come and, and bite us back on the arse. Ross Morgan says, do you think we're settling for second best again with Havertz? No, because I don't think Mikel Arteta would sanction a move for a player that he doesn't believe is a good fit. And it's not like Arsenal were going... If Arsenal was settling, Arsenal could go out and get someone for 20, 25 million from overseas and say, well, he's going to be the backup to Gabriel Jesus and plug him in. But they're not doing that. They're going to spend big, which suggests if you're willing to spend north of 50 million pounds, which is what's being quoted, then that suggests that you've got a hell of a lot of faith in Kai Havertz. Um, and this other bit that, that Russ puts in his comment, whilst helping Chelsea to get their main target or our main target, Caicedo. Let me be clear. Chelsea will sell and Chelsea will find a way around their financial issues. Selling Kai Havertz helps them, obviously. But whether we buy Kai Havertz or not, I believe that Chelsea will find a way around this somehow. Okay? So you're not going to kill them off as a football club by not buying Kai Havertz. And this notion that Chelsea can only buy Caicedo if we buy Havertz is a little bit strange for a couple of reasons. So first of all, okay, I get the direct link is that they earn money, means they can spend more money, et cetera, et cetera. But Todd Bowley will find a way if he really wants him, number one. And number two, we might be helping them in terms of providing them some funds with which they can go and sign Moises Caicedo. But if they were to pay what Tony Bloom is asking for Moises Caicedo, us signing Kai Havertz doesn't change the fact that they'll be having their pants pulled down. So yeah, I'm not I'm not massively into that that kind of narrative uh, around that. Uh, Jean Rene says a word on Arsenal moving for Russo. I think Alessio Russo will be a great signing for Arsenal. Um, I'm not as plugged into the women's game as as some, so I'm not going to pretend I am. I hate it when people do that. Just you know, admit you're not. Um, Tim Stillman is the the Arsenal guy to go to. Uh, for all things women's football. So I'd be way more interested in his 
opinion on that. But from what I've seen and from what I can see, she looks a really talented player and someone that Arsenal would be lucky to have. So fingers crossed uh, that goes through. Uh, Christian says, Harry, I can't understand the Castagna link. Has that died down? Because I truly hope so. If you actually read the story and, and listen to Sasha Tavalieri, who spoke about this and the, the man who, of course, broke this story, he did say that he was an option. He didn't say that it was something that Arsenal were were going to do or, or really push forward for or, or were desperate to do. He said that he was on the radar. Um, and uh, and so that could very much still be the case. Um, but yeah, look, we keep hearing that Arsenal are, are mainly focused on Rice at the moment. Um, and uh, I guess until we get to some sort of conclusion with that, we're probably not going to see an awful lot more movement. It feels like Rice and Havertz are the two that we're working on at this moment in time. Maybe there are others that we're working on in the background that we're just not 100% aware of at this stage. But just have to be patient during the transfer window. As I say to you guys, I woke up this morning thinking I'm going to have a bit of a chill day today. And then the Havertz bid stuff started coming out and the DRB stuff started coming out. And then I'm seeing Chelsea fans jumping up and down because they think they've signed Moises Caicedo. And then the Romeo Lavia story comes out of nowhere. It is just wild at the moment. And although, you know, I enjoy chatting about this stuff, I won't enjoy it by the end of the window. In fact, I'll be bloody sick of it. But the fact that, you know, there is so much going around just means that, you know, people are, or it's just a reflection of the demand for this kind of chat. The fact that people put out so many stories and in a lot of occasions just rehash stuff you've already heard, but put it with a slightly different angle. It just shows you actually how bonkers this world is and this market is and this kind of appetite is for transfer chat it's nuts i mean even on this channel right the the numbers we've had over the last few days have been much higher than what they were at the back end of the premier league season people are, are really really keen to hear about transfer stuff and listen you know i'm all for it i love it it's great um but you do have to be able to to take a lot of it with a pinch of salt and if you don't you will drive yourself batshit crazy don't do it to yourself Stay chilled, stay relaxed as much as you possibly can. And um, and yeah, just, just see how it goes. There's a long time to go. The window opened, what, two days ago? People are panicking already. Anyway, guys, look, I'm going to leave it there uh, because we've been going for the best part of an hour. I am absolutely cream crackered. Uh, it is Friday night. Go outside, enjoy the sunshine, put your feet up, have a nice ice cold beer. That's what I'm going to do now. Um, and I will catch up with you guys uh, a little bit later on. We'll hopefully be back with another episode tomorrow. Uh, we've got a members bit of content dropping as well. If you want to be a member, uh, you can go over to the Another Slice platform. The link is in the description below. Check it out. Uh, you'll be supporting not just the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, but you'll also uh, be um, supporting the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital as well. Um, so yeah, do uh, do get involved if you fancy it. And there'll be plenty of stuff coming your way in the next few weeks. Right. Thank you all so, so much. As always, I will see you tomorrow. Until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great Friday. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.